Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. We'll be right back to today's show, but before we do, I want to let you know that you can get a free copy of my first book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma, when you leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, either on desktop or on your phone. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, look up Think Unbroken, click follow in the top right, and then go and leave a review at the bottom. And when you leave that review, screenshot it and send it over to book.thinkunbroken.com where you can upload your contact and mailing information, and we will send you a free copy of this award-winning, best-selling book, absolutely free, including shipping. Just go to book.thinkunbroken.com to upload your screenshot review from Apple Podcasts for the Think Unbroken podcast. And until next time, my friend, be unbroken. I'll see you. You're listening to the Think Unbroken podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Unbroken. I'm an author, speaker, coach, and advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma and abuse. In this podcast, you will learn how to transform your trauma into triumph, turn breakdowns 
into breakthroughs and go from victim to being the hero of your own story. You can learn more at thinkunbrokenpodcast.com. And of course, check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at Think Unbroken Podcast. I think part of it also is perspective. And I've heard you say that perspective is a cure-all for anxiety because on a long enough timeline, you're asking yourself if this is actually going to matter. And if you're doing that, are you measuring progress against day-to-day or against the long-term? You know, with this and especially scenarios like this now newly happening in your life, how, what, what kind of role does perspective play for you today? Tons, man. I know exactly where you're going with this. So th- this is a combination of sort of two ideas. One, um, the, what you're thinking about sort of the action and suffering. We can get to that in a second. But the other, the other idea on this is, yeah, zoom out far enough on the timeline and like none of this crap matters. You know what I'm saying? So like, okay, kid crumples up photos. Zoom out on timeline. We don't know how far. Could be two minutes where I just go, eh, I'll straighten them out. And then when I scan them, it's, it's a photo of a pyramid and a camel. No, I don't even care about this, right? Like those are the, that, that's the timeline for that. But then other timelines are really intense. Like your business got torpedoed and you lost your, jo- your wife lost her job and now you're starting over and you're gonna lose your house. Well, that's not okay. And next week it's not gonna be okay. And next month it's probably not gonna be okay. Next year, will it be okay? Maybe. What about a couple years from now? If, even if it's not completely okay, it's certainly gonna be better than it is right now in the moment where you're dealing with that. So I try to sort of zoom out far enough on the timeline mentally and realize, okay, five years ago I went through this thing and I thought I would like never get over that. And now I'm mostly or, or completely over it. All right, so let me jump ahead in the timeline and realize I'm not over it now because I'm in the thick of it, but eventually I will be over it, which means I can almost act accordingly, right? Like, oh my God, I lost a million dollars on this stupid thing and now I'm gonna lose my retire, I have to retire five years later. That's not good, but you're going to survive, it's going to be fine, you're probably gonna be able to make a lot of it back, it's probably not as bad as you think, you've been through similar situations before. That all makes you realize that you are, it's kind of like the everything is gonna be okay, it, it's not always gonna be the way that you want it to be, but zooming out that far on the timeline has helped me with so many stressful situations. Um, if I get screwed over by somebody or if I hit a business hurdle, I just look and go, all right, I've gone through like three, four, five of these in my past, I'm 41, there's gonna be more, they always suck, but I, it's always completely fine. Now there are some events where that's not gonna work out. Like if you lose a child, you're always gonna miss that child, but the pain won't be as acute as it is in the moment. You know, if, if, if something really horrible happens, you lose someone dear to you, um, it, that's always gonna change things. The pain is always more acute in the moment. So realizing that you can get through things, um, it sounds simple, but it really, you really do have to focus on that timeline because otherwise it's real easy for your, first of all, your ad- adrenal system to snap you back into fight or flight, pay attention to every second of this pain kind of situation. And what you're trying to do is say, okay, I'm gonna plan this out. You're almost snapping into a logical mode. You're not trying, again, you're not trying to withhold your emotions or bury them. You can deal with them ideally with a therapist if it's bad enough as you need to, but you also need to like stop panicking and waking up at 3 a.m. with in a cold sweat because you have made a bad investment or because somebody stole something from you. You know what I mean? That's not helping anyone. That's super powerful. And I've had this notion recently about this idea of time is now. 
I was at a restaurant and on the, on, you put your name, you put the time and I just started writing now. I have no idea why other than I was thinking like, why the f am I worried about tomorrow? Why am I worried about yesterday and the mistakes that I've made when today, right now in this moment is actually the only thing that I have control over. Right. And, and, and you, and you led me into my lead to you, which is action ends suffering. Dude, I am such a big proponent of that. I found myself at the unbroken nation audience knows they've heard this story, 350 pounds, smoking two packs a day, drinking myself to sleep, working the corporate America job, you know, found myself at rock bottom. 11 years later, now I'm award-winning speaker, best-selling author, coach people around the world and back again. And I swear the only way that happened is action. And I think that hearing you say action and suffering is, is such a big proponent of that. And I, I heard those words from you. So I want to mm -hmm. just say thank you for that in the course yeah. of this journey. It's been such a big deal. Why is that so important to you? Like what, what was the catalyst to come to that with yourself? Sure. So this wasn't something where I was like, I read it in a clever self-help book or anything like this is one of those hard one lessons where I was like, I, okay, so what happened was I had a, I had a podcast in a business, a training company, and I ran it for 11 years. And I, over time I'd been doing like pretty much all the work. I had a lot of, uh, team. They were great. I worked with a lot of amazing people. But the people I had brought in as partners years and years before, you know, they're it's Thursday at 2 p.m. They're not answering their phones anymore. They're going out for, you know, they want weeks and weeks off. They're not adding to the bottom line. They need raises because they have credit card debt. I'm like, okay, I'm saving money. I'm getting married. I want to have kids. I'm saving up for a house. These guys are like, hey, we have 30K in credit card debt. We need a raise. And I'm like, this isn't working. Like we're paying more in taxes because you need more income. So there was a lot of little disputes and we had an amicable split worked out. And then they just went, we're not going to honor this. You know, we're not, we're just not going to honor it. And then I was like, you know what? I have to start over on my own and do the Jordan Harbinger show and just not worry about it. Because when I talk to people that you might call mentors and guys that have sort of been there and done that in business, they were like, I know you think it's a big loss just start over and move forward, sue them or whatever, but like, don't get bogged down in the suit, get to work moving forward. And that, that was awesome advice. That's exactly what I did. But then my former partners sued me because they were like, wait, you weren't supposed to move on and be successful without us. So they tried to, well, they did file a lawsuit. It didn't go well for them. Um, and, but it took a long time and it was expensive. It was much more expensive for them, but that was a, that's another story for another time. Uh, that's what happens when you sue lawyers. It gets expensive for you. Um, so I, but I had been waking up for the first couple of weeks after the split. And I was like, how am I going to restart this thing that I created over 11 years on my own? Like, is the timing wrong? You know, I'd started in 2006 when podcasting was like new, can you build a big podcast now? Are people going to find me? Do I have what it takes to do this on my own? Like all of these questions, but it wasn't like, all right, I've got this. I was like, oh my God, I'm screwed. And then I'd wake up at 2 a.m. to go to the bathroom and I wouldn't be able to sleep again. And I'd be like, my heart's pounding. What is going on? And I went to the doctor because my wife was like, dude, you never sleep anymore. Like you're, lo I lost a bunch of weight. And so I went to the doctor and they're like, oh, your, your blood markers, everything's good. What's going on in your life? And I started talking about what was going on. And they're like, bro, you're having like literal, what sounds like panic attacks at night. And I'm like, I don't feel, no, I'm not panicking. I'm just thinking about all these things that I have to do. And I'm thinking about all these issues that I'm dealing with. And they're like, yeah, it's called anxiety. Don't know if you've heard of it. And I'm like, no, 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 you're, mis you're misunderstanding. I'm worried, but it's not like I'm freaking out. I'm just waking up and I can't go back to sleep, but my heart's racing. And they're like, hello, Google freaking anxiety. This is what you have. And then of course, 
doctors, many doctors are like, here's pills. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Humans deal with anxiety. I don't need pills. I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not having suicidal ideation. I'm not, uh, I don't have any issues with my body right now. Like we'll monitor my blood panel and my, you know, my blood uh, and my, uh, what is it? Uh, like gut panel, you know, monitor the stuff that, that says, hey, you're killing yourself. Like make sure that's not happening. But I just started walking more outside. I started talking to friends more. I made sure I had social contact every single day, even if it was like a 12 hour, 16 hour, super busy day, I'd do like a 30 minute or 20 minute or 15 minute call with a friend. Um, that helped a lot. But the action and suffering thing was, I felt like I had so many things to do that you ever made a protein shake in a blender and the top comes off and everything and you're just like, there goes my afternoon, right? Because you're cleaning like freaking whey protein out of the lights. That's what I felt like my life was at that time. And the energy had nowhere to go. It was like every day I'd wake up and it would be like, vroom, and it'd be all over the kitchen. And I'd be like, oh, I got to clean this up. And I'm, I'm cleaning up all these little things. Like I got to start a Twitter account. I got to open bank accounts. But then I was like, all right, instead of freaking out about all this stuff, because there's so much, I just sat down and I made a plan. It was like a hundred things that I had literally that I had to do. And I made this huge list with my wife. And when I made the list, I did a few of them. And then I took a glorious nap. And then when I woke up, I did a few more until I was tired. And then the next, I, I went to bed and I slept fine because I was like, well, tomorrow I'm gonna do this, 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 and I'm probably gonna be out of time about here. And I just started knocking everything down. And as I did that, my business was building up and I was rebuilding things and getting things back on track. And I was like, wow, like, look, making a plan, great insight, jack off. Like, why am I listening to you about this? Seriously though, like if you have no plan or the plan's only in your head, that's a huge problem because your head is going, well, maybe you should move this over here. What about that? Oh, but when you do this thing, don't forget about that. But if you write everything down and you're just knocking them down and then you think of something new, you just add it to your to-do list. There were hundreds of things on this list over the last few months or over the first few months, sorry, of rebuilding the Jordan Harbinger show. And as I knocked them out, I felt better as opposed to feeling worse, which is what I felt like before because it would like, it was like pulling weeds, right? I'd pull one out and go, oh good, I finally did this. And I'd be like, there's these three more things I didn't even think of. And I'm up at 3 a.m. typing and writing things down. That was miserable. But when I had the action focus, I was able to focus my energy like a laser beam instead of a blender. And that was really what made me feel like instead of, wow, what was me? How am I gonna do it? It was like, okay, we hit a major setback, but I'm, I'm on my feet and I'm walking and I'm warming up to a run again. Whereas before I was just kind of rolling around in the mud. You know, that's really, that's really what it was. I was gaining no ground. Even if I was gaining ground, it didn't feel like it because I didn't have any sort of sense of a map of the territory and it didn't feel like I had forward momentum. And yeah. there's a lot of gold in what you just said. And the, the biggest takeaway for me just in that, and, and maybe it's because the last thing that I heard, right? You go, okay, in, in reality, the way that you step into creating something powerful is that you have to, for lack of a better term, you just got to show up and do it on the days you don't want to, on the days you do want to, and every single day in between. I mean, that's the same way I built a podcast, same way I wrote a best-selling book, the same way I've done all of the things. Like, it's like, I don't wanna sit down and write for four hours. I can think of a million better things to do, but it's on the calendar, so you show up. And, and, and Nick, that kind of leads me into this question that for, for a lot of people listening right now or watching, they're probably thinking like, man, this Nick guy, he's just one of the lucky ones. He must have had everything handed to him. 
I mean, he's written music. He probably will win a Grammy one day. He knows all these celebrities. Why are we even listening to this guy right now? But I, I want to ask you this question because I think it'd be really impactful and beneficial for people to understand something. How much of this journey for you has been about getting out of your own way? Oh, man, I think in, in some ways, every part of it. So I, what I share a lot with people is, look, um, first thing when I talk to somebody like, you know, either I don't have a story, which there's a whole, I could go on a, a tangent on that for a while, but like those, the, or uh, yeah, I, I really need to start, I need to write that book. I need to, I need to give speeches, but I don't, I'm not a great speaker like me. I got a list, but I mean, there's, I talk too fast, whatever. There's like, I always tell people when your mission, when your mission and your message are more important than your ego, you just get out of your own way and you'll start. Because if it's truly mission driven and you're like, I, if you really believe that you have the power to impact a million people or that if you were the one doing everyone's heart surgery as a surgeon, you would save 10% more lives. Like you're not going to worry about your delivery. You're going to worry about like, I got to just get out there and get started. And I got to start, you know, evangelizing for whatever it is that I'm evangelizing for. Like me, a big thing is like everyone has a story and everyone has a story that matters. And there's a, there's a series of events that led you and me to this moment today. And without, and, and not even being hokey about it, like it's, if we go back and actually think about those moments, like and honor those moments, like most of us have things that happened in kindergarten or first or second or third grade, things in high school, things in college that are driving us right now. And we just haven't acknowledged it. Like I talk about it all the time. I had a third grade teacher tell me from the front of the class, I was stupid. And I was mad about it for a long time. I wanted to FedEx her a box of Emmys. Um, she has no clue, by the way. I think she's just having a bad day. You know, and I think this is like this for most people. Every time she sees my mom in the grocery store, she always asks how I'm doing, says I was one of her favorites. So, and for years, like I have a little grudge against this lady. But when I think about it, like perhaps she's one of the people who, I mean, she is one of the people I can say for sure that like, that drove me to prove to the world, like to perform. Now you got to keep that in a healthy balance because just performing and not enjoying your life or any of that is, is not, is not healthy for anybody. And we shouldn't just be doing it to run away from demons, but there's these moments that have led us to, to where we are today. And so, so much of my, like, like look, getting into, uh, Emailing a lady at the Emmys for the first time was super uncomfortable. I mean, getting on phone calls sometimes with people who you don't know or you don't know where their idea is going to lead. And so I've just learned over the years. I mean, a lot of it's based on how my presentation of it is, is based on my faith, but you could you could extrapolate it. But I, I realize that if I want to accomplish the things that are that are for me in life, um, I got to give God elbow room. I got to like stop trying to control everything. I just got to show up. And do the best I can and serve the best I can in the moments that I'm given. And so that's what I try to do. And I mean, look, um, I it would be it would be silly for me to say I don't have any talents or gifts. That would be that would be like disrespectful, uh, to even to the audience. And then the same thing for you. I don't go around bragging about my talents and gifts, but certain things come easy to me, just come easier than other things. Certain things I am terrible at. And so to me, what I've really learned is um collaboration like makes this all work. So if I want to accomplish something, the best way to get out of my own way is to go find mentors and people who can help me accomplish those things. And so I think um, what I really want people to take away is like, I am, I'm different than everybody. Like we're all different. We're all different than each other, but there was definitely like, I didn't have a relative in the business. I mean, 
I remember when I first started, when I was in music, I read a book. I was, I was born in 1980, right? So I'm not that old, but I'm starting to become one of the older ones in a lot of rooms these days. But you know, I'm 41, right? So when I was like in the mid 90s, as I we didn't have, we had like Prodigy, maybe AOL was coming online, but like there wasn't like you can go find anything you want on the World Wide Web. And so you'd get books. You go to the library, the bookstore, whatever. And there's a book called All You Need to Know About the Music Business by this guy Donald S. Passman. I think he's still a law professor at USC or somewhere out there. And like one of the things was like, hey, if you want to have a career in music, you must have an entertainment lawyer. Well, I had to, uh, I, I got the phone book and I, I was living in Orlando. There's like maybe three people listed in our entertainment lawyer, but we just had Matchbox 20 just broke out of Orlando, 7 Mary 3. Was, and so like there was a little bit of a scene. It was supposed to be Hollywood East. You know, Disney was building a studio and stuff. So there's a few people, but like I had to like call and as a 15, 16 year old kid with like no money and try to find someone who would talk to me about it because this was my only way. This book says I got to get, you know, I got to get an attorney. We just like, you just have to take these steps and they're uncomfortable conversations. I actually ended up getting through to one guy and ended up in a Bible study with him 20 years later, which is funny. I was like, I was able to tell the group, like, he doesn't even know who I am. I'm going to tell you guys, this guy's the real deal. He's a good dude. He took my call when I was 15 and he was Matchbox Tony's lawyer and he, and he walked me into the next few steps I could take in my career. But all of this is all like, I am not specialer. That's a terrible word, but I'm going to use it intentionally. Than anybody else here, I have taken, I have taken risks um, some have worked out, some have not worked out. I think if the, the main thing I can tell anyone, if you want to be successful, I mean, self-awareness is huge. I mean, you can't just keep not getting any better or not having the talent to do something and expect to be great at it. But I will say, I think an equal dose of perseverance is super helpful because you really only lose the game when you give up and the rest of it is you're, you're still in the game. And so again, can sound really cliche, but man, I, the things that I like, there's no good reason why I should still be writing songs and trying to make it professionally. I just this last year got my first, I've been writing since I was 15 and I'm 41. And I had my first commercial success probably last year. And every time I went to Nashville, everyone had m many reasons. My employees probably were like, what is, what is he doing? Like to question it, but like eventually, you know, I, I did Rudy's documentary. Rudy has a phrase, pester life until it gives in. Like, that's what I did. I just kept going until someone gave up. And they're like, and, and, and eventually I got a great enough song and a big artist wanted to cut it and blah, blah, blah. So now we have a few million spins on Spotify, but you still make no money from that. So the next step is, how do we make some money? And so anyway, hopefully I answered your question. Lots of stories in there. Yeah, you know, I, I, I love it, man. There's so many different ways I can poke and prod this because I'm just like, yes, I get that. And yes, I get that. You know, one, one of the things that comes to mind is this idea really parlaying with what you just said about fortune favors the bold. And I think so much of my experience, like this idea of like going back in time, tracing all the footsteps to right now. I mean, it's taken me 36 years to get to this moment with you today, you know, and it took a lot of decisions, a lot of failures, a lot of doing things the wrong way. And most importantly, and I, I try to teach this to my coaching clients. I try to bring it into my books, into my public speaking and everything that I do. And, and it's so much about being a part of a collective to be able to create massive change in your life. And, and I know that you're big on this. You've mentioned, you know, community a couple of times here. Um, but you said something I wrote down one time. You said, we are not self-made. We are community made. Go into that for me, because I, I think it hits home for me in a way that I hope will hit home for other people. Yeah, you know, I, I heard a few people say, I think maybe Arnold Schwarzenegger sort of got me thinking about this for the first time when it may, I think it was him who said something like that. It's like, there's this 
um, this uh, Western culture has the um, has the tendency to take any you and make it singular. So if I say you, you would go, it's talking to me. It's about me. It's about me. And so we have this really singular focus on ourselves. And we're all sort of born self-centered, right? Like I need milk, I need food, I need whatever. And so at some point, I think a lot of us lose track of the, the, the fact that like, whether I liked the interaction with that third grade teacher or not, she helped shape who I was. And then beyond that, people who like my parents who sacrificed a lot, we were immigrants. Like, What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. to help me and my brother get to university and to get through university and to have food on the table. And I like, like, even if you were forsaken by your parents, let's say, and you had to get a job to work, to, to work, to raise yourself, you know, to where you're like, you, you probably still had, you still had someone who took a chance on you and gave you a job. You probably had someone who modeled some good behaviors for you that you learned how to not recreate a broken past or that that a broken past that you were brought up in so we we are we are the sum of you know it's funny because you could really break it down to the simplest principle of sort of a, a, a can become a hokey self-help principle but you know you are the sum of the nine people you hang out with the most but we we are every one of us is is the product of what we put into our heads and whether that's you know, before I met Tony Robbins, I had had hundreds of hours when I was training for tennis as a kid. My coach gave me Tony Robbins CDs and like, yo, Tony Robbins was part of my my mindset. And then my tennis coach who was nice enough to give me the pirated CDs, which I've had to apologize to Tony Robbins about uh, that I had. But like, we're all, we're made by our, we are made by our surroundings and by our community. And if you make good decisions, you try to remove toxic people and places from that community. 
they still do shape you though, by the way, they, they are part of your upbringing. So I think it's just a very selfish way of looking at things to say you're, you're self-made because you're not, I mean, you, nobody has done everything for themselves their entire life. And a lot of times, um, if you think you're self-made more people than, you know, did things for you that you just never recognized. So you probably owe a lot of people thank yous that you never took the time to think about. Like you don't negotiate with yourself, no. but you have yeah. your human being. Yeah. For me, it was like, I needed a really high extreme, you know, cause I come from this background where my mother cut my finger off when I'm four years old. I'm a drug addict when I'm 12. I need extremes to like get my, like this boulder is gigantic, yeah. right? How do you stop negotiating with yourself? I think for me, it's really grown with my intuition. Like we've talked about, if I feel something and I'm excited about something and it's prolonged more than a day, more than two days, more than a week, uh, I don't think about it. You know, the best things that have ever happened for me uh, were decisions. We're just like on a whim, mm. it, you know, because if you don't take action, you talk yourself out of things. Right. And I know you understand this because of the coaching space as well. And that's why anyone that's listening, if you've ever done coaching or interested in it, that's why coaches say, like, make a decision today, work with me the next 24 hours and we can move forward. Because if you don't, you're going to spend the next couple of days in the next week being like, oh, should I, should I not? Should yep. I do this? Should I not? So for me, if I have a feeling that's prolonged, like I don't talk myself out of it. I'm like, done, it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what happened with my business. After a couple of days, I was still thinking about Rise It For You. And I'm like, I'm doing this. That's it. Done. And I never looked back. Same thing when I moved um, out of state and I came to Vegas by myself. I was like, I had that feeling. And I was like, done. I'm moving to Vegas. You know, and I just, I just did it. And I won't allow myself to talk myself out of it because that's where you get in trouble. And that's where you're like, but what if and what if? If something feels good for you, if initially something feels good and great for you, just do it. Yeah, and you'll, but, you'll figure it all but out. But hold on. You don't understand. Every time I do that, I f*** up. You'll figure it out. Marie Folio always says everything is figure outable. Yeah. And like that's part of the process, though. It's like. It's OK to be afraid of messing up and failing. What's not OK is to let that fear sabotage you from moving forward. And I think that is what we don't, that's what we're, we're missing in today's world is that there's this concept of like, I can't be afraid or I can't have negative thoughts. And that's, that's not realistic. We're all human beings. I'm afraid all the time. Same. All the time. All the time. It's like, crazy. I have fear. I have negative thought. And so we need to normalize that. Like, it's okay for you to be afraid. It's okay for you to have negative thoughts. I have crap in my head all the time. But what I've understood is, am I going to let that dictate my actions, right? Beliefs drive behaviors. And I don't want it to drive my behaviors in a way that's going to hinder and sabotage me. So I feel the fear. You know, I have negative thoughts. But then I counter myself and I say, okay, it's, you're okay. It's okay that you have fear. But do you want to stay stuck or do you just want to try and go for it? And what's the worst that happens? I always ask myself that question. What's the worst that happens? And is it really the worst thing that can happen to you? You know, and for somebody that's had divorce, that's had loss, you can understand this and appreciate you've been a lot in, through a lot in your life. What's the worst thing that can happen? And is it the worst thing that can happen to you? Yeah. The worst thing that can, this is my opinion only, the worst thing that can happen to you is you die. That's it. Anything shy of that, there is a solution. 100%. You can find your way through it. 
you know, and I, I think that's, what's so interesting. It's there, there is an unlimited number of possibility in the world. Yes. Now look, physics apply. You can't be the first person to try to breathe in outer space. Like that ain't going to happen. Sure. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like let's be, because people, somebody's challenging me right now. They're going to email me and be like, what about this? Shut up. It's stupid. <laughs> like, let's keep it within the laws of physics. Right. And reality. But no matter where you're at, whether it's you have hit rock bottom in your business, your relationship, your health, your wealth, your physical being, like whatever yeah. it is, there's a solution in here somewhere. Yes. I'm not saying it's happening overnight. Like I look at so many of the transformations in my life and it's like decades of work. Yeah. Right. I mean, I've been doing therapy and my own personal coaching and mentorship for 13 years. And I, and I honestly just now feel like I've taken like a step forward. Right moving past all of the limitations and people are like, yeah, but you've been on billboards in New York city and you've written yeah. best-selling books. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand like every day, like the grinding through the, you know, what's better than doing all that other getting stoned and playing video yeah. games. And you weren't there, right? Like you didn't start there. No, you know, we didn't, you know, build a business and then overnight be on billboards and get clients and so on and so forth. Like we started from scratch. And I think that is something to really know and for people to hear is like, we started from scratch. And if we can start from scratch, you can too. But you gotta, you gotta manage the fear so that it doesn't cripple you. you Otherwise, know, it's gonna be five years from now and you're gonna be in the same place. It's gonna be 10 years from now, you're gonna be in the same place. And then that's when we build resentment in our life because we never actually just did. The, one of the most heartbreaking things for me about the human experience is knowing realistically for some people, it's going to take 25 years to do something that takes 10 minutes. And like that to me is so devastating because it's like you, you have so much life in front of you, but we get so stuck in it, so trapped in it. And, and I think the thing that's missing for people is recognizing like their support out here, you know? And, and so I'm wondering for you, as you were going through Anytime you're building something, like it is so hard. Building a business is almost impossible, right? Dealing with death, almost impossible. Divorce, almost impossible. Yeah. What were the mechanisms that you had in your life for support, for growth, for, you know, reconciliation, for all the things that have started to pave the path that you are now on? Like what was day, what was day one like? For me, it was, it was community and mentorship. And I had, I had two. I had direct and indirect. So direct, you know, mentorship and counsel were like people in my life, like my cousins, my brothers, that we can lean on, that we can support one another, that were my cheerleaders, okay? And then indirect mentor was like podcast and going to conferences and hearing people speak and understanding that there's possibility and watching these people do it and hearing their stories. And when you're able to have both sides of the mentorship, you can understand that, okay, wow, they struggle too. I'm not alone in the process of life. That's the one thing about life is it doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care who you are. You're going to have death. You're going to have heartbreak. You're going to have struggle. Like they don't, it doesn't care who you are. And so having that mentorship was really important for me. And that's, you know, honestly, I remember when I first came back, I listened to a podcast, which at the time was called The Art of Charm. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Jordan Harbinger. Jordan Harbinger. He's been on the show. Yes. Oh, I love that guy. He's awesome. And I just happened to listen to the podcast that day when I came back 
that was him and a guy named Cole Hatter. Oh, yeah. So some people, yeah. Yeah. And Cole Hatter was talking about his experience and talking about how, you know, make money matter. Like build build something where you can still do great in the world, right? Like nonprofits, you can still make an impact, but you can still make money and build a life that feels good, right? And that you're proud of. And it was just that one podcast that I thought, wow, that's really awesome. And then they had a conference and I was like, I'm gonna go to that conference. And I'll tell you within a matter of a week, I listened to the podcast. I went to the conference. I saw Cole on stage. I saw Jordan Harbinger on stage. And I just did. I was like, all right, we can make this happen. And they were my mentors. And they didn't even know. But they were my mentors indirectly, along with my family directly who were supporting me. And uh, obviously, they were more close to me in what was happening. But I was also getting a lot of like coaching and guidance in that way. And then I remember a year later, I sat by Jordan Harbinger and Cole. I was like, hey, I got to tell you this story. <laughs> and they were like, really? I'm like, yeah. So I, that's really what helped me. Mm. And also self-compassion. Self-compassion and allowing myself to process. So I let myself process, but I didn't let myself stay there long. So there would be days where, you know, I felt really sad. And I was like, okay, take an hour to yourself. Take two hours. Go watch a movie. Go for a walk. And then like, let's jump back in. And then the next day, same thing. Okay, take an hour, take a couple hours, let's jump back in. So I allowed myself to feel, but I was really intentional about not letting it cripple me. On the back, and one of the things I teach my clients constantly is like, if you don't cheer for yourself, nobody's going mm -hmm. to. And, mm -hmm. and so what did the beginning of that process of like stepping into self-love look like? Because I, I love that you pointed to it's a been a process. It wasn't overnight. It's still a process. But but what were kind of the, the beginnings of that for you? I think first it was recognizing, I think first it was the physical piece for me and recognizing like how much damage I'd done to my physical body. And I think that was the, that was probably the initial piece. I, I'm a functional when you say, uh -huh. for For clarity, when you say yeah. damage, what do you mean? I mean, like physical damage. I mean, physical damage from the years of disordered eating behaviors and like compulsive exercise and not eating enough and all of that. Like I, my immune system was totally shot. My gut had IBS. My gut was shot. My adrenals were like in the toilet. Like the physical pieces of me would probably the first realization. Because again, I thought in my head, I'm like, I'm healthy. I'm working out all the time. And, you know, I eat healthy food. Um, but I was totally running myself into the ground. And I, and I knew that, I mean, I knew that it wasn't, I mean, I think we all know when we're doing that to ourselves, but I think for me to see the physical evidence, I had run some labs on myself because I'm, I'm a functional nutritionist. And so I'd run some labs on myself as part of my training. And I'm like, oh crap, like this is, this is really bad. So I think the first thing it was, that was kind of a wake up call. And this was, you know, some years after I'd kind of started this initial journey of like, let me, you know, learn who I am again and all that. Seeing it on paper, the physical parts, like, okay, like I've, I've done some physical damage that I've got to heal. And then starting that healing process, the physical healing process, right? The physical body starting that was like, okay, well, I'll, you know, I'll change this in my diet. And I'll take this supplement. I'm doing the physical pieces, but realizing kind of like you were saying where you, you have all these accomplishments, but you're still feeling empty. I felt the same thing when I was doing the physical healing where I'm like, okay, I'm doing all these physical things and I've, you know, cut back on the, the high intensity workouts or whatever. I'm not running marathons anymore. I'm doing all these things, but I still didn't feel like healed. And I still didn't feel, I still felt like there was pieces missing. So for me, 
it was diving into like inner child work and diving into that realm and uncovering the like mental emotional pieces that were under those layers. So it was it sounded like this like three step process for me because the physical part for me was easy because it's like oh I'm used to taking care of my physical body I'll just change how I'm doing it but it it wasn't it wasn't fixing the things. So I think understanding that you know the physical parts. Everything, and I am a firm believer of this, everything that's happening on the physical level, the physical body has its roots in the energetic emotional body. And, you know, conventional ways of healing, you know, they're not teaching that. And so it wasn't anything that I ever looked at. And so I think that was the other big piece is I had come across this girl and I, she was like a spiritual business coach. And so I started doing some work with her and there was like a big section in her um, little prim about childhood and I had never done any of that before and that for me too is like opened a whole other can of worms like crap there's so much going on down there that needs to come out and this like okay this and then I started I feel like I started to kind of chip away at the iceberg there like okay this is I feel like I'm getting somewhere because there's these things bubbling underneath the surface underneath the physical parts that have haven't touched like I don't know how to how to get there and so I think it was that was kind of the next step yeah, the the inner child work is such a big part of this. You know, my my second book is called Eight Steps to Healing Your Inner Child. There, uh, you know, it's actually arbitrary. It could have been thirty seven steps, right? <laughs> it doesn't matter. But but what I what I realized uh, early on in this journey is that there is a linear impact to all of our experiences, whether we want to admit it or not. And there's kind of a twofold thought process that I have about this one is you do have to honor a lot of those needs of who it is that you are in that childlike free state, because that's play, that's excitement, that's joy. A lot of it's love, unbridled, right? But then uh, the juxtaposition of it is like, you're not a child anymore, yeah. right? And, and so now you're in this really weird place where you have to be able to navigate, how do I play and enjoy life, but how do I also be disciplined and, and accountable and responsible? Was there anything specific that as you started doing that inner child work became the pendulum swing for you? Was there a moment? Was there an experience? Was there a memory? Was there an event? Like what what started in that work to shift you to where you are now? Yeah. I think it's it's twofold. I think part of it is understanding how much my upbringing and, and and let me I just want to preface this like this is not me bashing any anybody or anything or any organizations or anything because I still have I'm still firm in my belief but this is just my experience I think part of it was or a big piece of it was understanding how much conditioning I had based on my upbringing in a very conservative part of the country in the Bible Belt and how much that affected my view of myself and my accomplishments and all of that. I, I think it was a lot of, I, I had so much like shame and guilt under the surface about a lot of things. Like I realized when I was doing this was, you know, years after I'd gotten divorced and realized there was still so much guilt and shame around my divorce that I had never like truly fully healed. Like it was still under there. And it just went back to my conservative upbringing because in and in, in my view, and especially when I got divorced and I was still I was super young, it was my early 20s, like divorce, like the worst thing. It was like, like, oh, you're the ultimate sinner. Like your marriage is a failure and I'm supposed to get divorced. And that was still living in me, that guilt and shame around that. So I think 
the guilt and the shame piece was huge. And I think kind of what I mentioned before in, in, you know, witnessing the women in my life growing up, my mom and my mom will be the first one to tell you, like she'll admit this too, the women just in a community, it's, it's keeping up the facade, right? It's keeping up appearances. It, let's make everything look good and um, look like you got it all together and all of that. And, and I still felt that too. And again, it was, it was all these things that had happened because at, at the time, so when I, um, when I was going through this inner child work, all of this, I feel like all of this was foreign to me. Like I didn't know all of this stuff was living in me that I had this guilt and shame about things and, and my, and understanding like my perfectionist tendencies, it all goes back to that, like seeing how this was modeled and you got to look perfect and, and be the perfect wife and all this. So, so yeah, I think it was deconditioning a lot of the things that I learned growing up and just how I was raised and this kind of conservative mindset of, of how things should look and how you should live your life and all these living by the shoulds and what makes you a good person and what makes you a bad person, untangling all of that. What, was there a, a part of that in which you had to forgive yourself? Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. I think the forgiveness piece, A, for going so long, I mean, I mean, honestly, it had to have been close to 20 years that I was like, well, maybe not 20 years, close, maybe 15 years that I had been just beating up myself with the, my disordered eating behavior. So forgiving myself for that, because everything I would think about, like all these things were coming up, all these opportunities that I saw as like wasted, like these trips where I was so worried about what we were eating and how I could not eat this and how I could get away with not eating this. Like I, I wasted so much of my life growing up and in high school and college, like so worried about what I was eating, what I was not eating and just feeling like I, I put so much energy into that, that I wasted so much energy in that, that I missed opportunities to really be present and really like enjoy these moments of my life that should have been just more enjoyable as, as a kid and as a teenager and as, in college. And so I think there was like some grief around that part too of, of like, I felt the, the, of, of these feelings coming up, like I feel like I missed out on things, but then reframing that and looking at, you know, the, um, the opportunities that came up from those experiences. And now like you know, working the work that I do as a functional nutritionist, I've worked with people who have, you know, are or have been recovering from disordered eating behavior. So like I, I'm able to use that as a gift now, but it was definitely a healing process of like forgiving myself for that and not and in letting go of feeling like a quote wasted, you know, time or energy, whatever. And knowing that like time is, in, it's never wasted. It's just how you see the opportunities on the other side of that. Thank you so much for listening to Think Unbroken. Please share this episode with someone who could use it and help us move forward in our mission of ending generational trauma in our lifetime. And if you would, please take five seconds to pop on iTunes or Spotify, hit that five star, leave a review. And you can also reach out to us on social at Michael Unbroken or at Think Unbroken. And of course, you can check out our YouTube channel at Think Unbroken. Thank you for being a part of Unbroken Nation, my friends. And until next time, be unbroken. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. 
And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.